from the city of brotherly love, this is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. You just arrived at the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser. This is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. Today, it's all about those empty store shelves. First, though, remember, please download the Shark Bite Biz app exclusively on the Google Play Store. We are working on getting the iOS Apple version out soon. But for the meantime, you can get it on your Android device, Google Play Store, search for Shark Bite Biz. That's the place that you're going to be able to find every single audio and video about this show right there in a single place in fact it's got so much of everything you could buy our fabulous coffee right there in the coffee store built into the app dead house coffee is right there in the coffee store but if you don't want to do it through the app no problem we got you covered head right on over to deadhousecoffee.com use code shark you're going to get 20 percent off of your order And we'll get all the proceeds directly supporting us producing the biggest and best show we possibly can. Now, let's get back to today's show. Store shelves are empty. You can't get the electronics you want. You can't get the cars you want. Can't even get the food you want. Everything is out of stock. What is going on? Well, apparently, from what I hear, it's stuck outside of the port of Los Angeles, but I don't know. Today's guest is actually going to fill us in. So who do we have today? For the second time, we have Lisa Anderson. Lisa Anderson is the founder and president of LMA Consulting Group, Inc., a consulting firm that specializes in manufacturing strategy and end-to-end supply chain transformation that maximizes the customer experience and enables profitable, scalable, dramatic business growth. She has been named in the top 46 most influential in supply chain by SAP, a top 40 B2B tech influencer by Arketi Group, and a top 50 ERP influencer by Washington Frank. And just so you know, I'm also in that same list as Lisa Anderson. Uh, She recently published Future-Proofing Manufacturing and Supply Chain Post-COVID-19, an ebook on successfully emerging and thriving post the COVID era. So, hey, without further ado, let's bring Lisa right on in here. Business strategy. Lisa, for the second time, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend. You just became shark bait. <laughs> Very good. I'm glad to be here. See, I added a tagline since the last time that you came here. That's right. That's always a good thing. <laughs> it always is because it, it, it's because we're growing. You were last on this show when we probably had four or 500 subscribers. And now we are well over the 10,000 subscriber mark. So the show has grown a lot. Uh, we got a whole new audience for you to talk all your supply chain manufacturing goodness to. Um, so I think, you know, tradition on the show is always, you, you should know this first question, what's your experience? What's your background? What do you do for a living? Basically 
tell all those new subscribers what makes Lisa Lisa. All right. Well, so I am a former vice president of operations and supply chain for a mid-market manufacturer. Uh, you know, we absorbed uh, three businesses and uh, relaunched product lines and improved uh, operational output and ended up selling off the business successfully. So lots of great experience. And then from there, I've been consulting now for the last 16 years. Um, anything operations or supply chain would be in the wheelhouse. With that said, I have a specialty in uh, what's called PSYOP, sales, inventory, operations, planning, or uh, thinking about it like how do you plan for your future demand and how, how do you know uh -huh. what your sales are, sales are going to be and then how will you best fulfill it, which is definitely a challenge these days. Yes, very much a struggle. And I want to point out a difference. You know, a lot of people like you will go out and they'll do consulting because maybe they're between gigs and they're just like, ah, I'll just do some consulting until I find the, the right gig. You've been doing this for 16 years and you've had some very, very large clients that you've worked for, as well as, you know, you've held some very, um, some very good positions on different like boards for manufacturing, you know, groups and supply chain groups. And you're somebody that is extremely well credentialed, probably the, the most well credentialed person that I know uh, that focuses on what you focus on. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, absolutely. It's what I found early on is, is that to be successful in consulting, first of all, you have to have been there and done that, dealt with boards, dealt with teams, you know, understood how to uh, turn things around and how to grow a business. So that was the first step. And then- And, and how to you know, deal with Hugo's too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, you know, like the, the other side of things is, uh, you know, on the, on the consulting side, like you said, um, you know, we really partner. What's different about us is, is that we really partner with clients to not only figure out like what path will make them successful and allow them to, most of the time clients are looking to grow the business and scale the business successfully so they can be profitable and they can have, uh, you know, uh, good working capital, et cetera. And so, you know, as we do that, what's unique is, is that we've had experience, um, on you know all sides of the equation, we're also we're process experts, but we're also systems experts. So utilizing uh, the whichever ERP system our clients have, or helping them select a new one. But if we put both of those pieces together with the people side of things, um, you know we can help them make make the changes happen so they am, end up with bottom line results. So that's really to your point. Uh, I think why. Uh, why well, you know I've I enjoy it because there's just new challenges every day, all sorts of different industries and and types of clients. So it's especially exciting. these days, there's a new challenge every single day. You never know what's going to pop up in the news cycle or what the challenge is. I think my number one question for you. And every one of our viewers out there on YouTube or our listeners on the audio podcast, they're all wondering the same thing. How come our shelves at Walmart, at the grocery store, at Target, 
How come they're still vacant? What is going on with our supply chain? Right. Well, it is definitely in a state of chaos, and it really is not going to improve. The overall situation is not going to improve anytime soon. So successful clients are taking it on upon them upon themselves to figure out how they can be successful in their supply chain. So the reason why it's it's such a mess is is that you know it it started with the pen well it started before the pandemic. Uh, you know we were outsourcing mm-hmm. materials to to Asia to China. We didn't always think through things. You know we were looking at like just that part of the cost, not the total equation. Mm -hmm. So the costs were already coming into alignment for non-commodity products uh, long before the pandemic, but we had invested so much capital um, that, you know, we, we were slow to change. Uh, We also became really worried about inventory and there's nothing wrong with keeping track of your inventory, but Right. Uh, we stopped having like backup suppliers that we used. We we um, we sometimes analyzed risk, but we didn't really like pay attention to what it was telling us. So the pandemic really aggr- showed all of the problems. Uh, and so what happened is is that you know the the wrong place, wrong products were in the wrong place at the wrong time. The ports, you know, had well, you know, we shut down. And uh, at a different time from when China shuts down, as an example, and then we have pileups of ships at the port. Uh, We don't have enough people. Are the ports still piled up right now? Because that's a that's a story. Go back a few months ago. I mean, you heard that essentially almost every single day. And I don't know if it just got old and they got tired of reporting on it or if it's still an issue, is it still yeah. an issue? Is it still? Back it it up? is an issue. There's, there's what they, they, you know, it's not exactly that they're all. It's kind of like a at the grocery store. They're not all in the checkout line, but they've mm-hmm. implemented procedures so that the the container ships slow down, um, and so like they're driving very slowly. <laughs> across the water and and or waiting outside like you know 150 miles offshore so there's still basically there's still a stockpile of ships out there however because the holiday has passed you know people aren't talking about it as much because they're not worried about the peaks the holiday Mm -hmm. season and those types of things but clients are struggling to get materials lead times are extended Prices continue to go up. Ship shortages. It's, it's a real mess. I'm, I mean, if you look, uh, I got a brand new laptop for the podcast to be able to produce a better show, but it was a two-month lead time in order to get the the laptop, and that was that was killer. That was like holy cow. But then, I mean, that's actually not that bad because a lot of other products, a lot of other chips stuff like that. The lead times are even longer. And I'm seeing to where, like, for example, um, touchscreens and automobiles, that some automobile manufacturers are foregoing touchscreens on the actual display right now, just because they can't get the, the actual chips to produce enough screens to allow that touch capability. So, I mean, it's really affecting a lot of things. It's affecting end designs. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy how much of an impact this is having 
on our life. And when you talk about things like a car, okay, so it's missing this chip or that chip, so therefore you don't have this feature or that feature, that's an impact then that somebody, whoever buys that vehicle, is going to have to live with for a couple of years. So they get rid of that car because of the current situation. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, for example, like Tesla redesigned, um, uh, redesigned a part of, uh, well, redesigned part of their designs to work with the chips that they had, which was, which was a smart thing to do uh, because there, there just aren't enough chips to go around. People are um, adding capacity. So, I mean, there's, there, like I said, there's um, there's problems at every step. There's not enough truckers. There's not enough trucking right. equipment. There's not. I, enough, I hear uh, that there's a lot of truckers up there in the Canadian border or something <laughs> like that. Some, some kind of noise or honking or something like that. That's but, right. <laughs> uh, there's a surplus there apparently, but <laughs> that's funny. Sorry, you know, I had to throw the joke in. But um, <laughs> that is a serious subject, though, and, but not for this show. But, you know, it, it's all around. I mean, it, it, it's, it's tough. I think it really stinks that people cannot buy what they want to buy. And yep. for me, for example, with the laptop that I got, I ended up buying an Asus ZenBook pro duo now that's a long name but it's actually really beautiful what they did i don't know if we've ever seen a uh, zenbook pro duo but it's actually got two built-in screens um, so think of like the bottom you know clamshell bottom half of the laptop uh the keyboard is slid all the way down so there's essentially no bezel on the bottom half of the laptop and the top half then is where a second 4K screen sits. But it, it's also Thunderbolt 4. And for me, I mean, I, I didn't really need a uh, computer that had a second screen built in, but I needed 4K laptop that had an RTX video card that had Thunderbolt 4. And I was looking and looking and looking for months and I could not find one and then finally azus came out with their ux582 the second gen of this model that had the upgraded i9 processor thunderbolt 4 i was like sold you know because I, I i need it i really i want to produce this show in 4k i want it to look as good right. as it possibly can and i needed a more powerful laptop to be able to do that for the next season but I mean, the the moral of this story is that I've only ever owned Lenovo laptops. In fact, like I've always had desktops. And then because I, I went to college late in life, I ended up buying the Lenovo yoga line. And I was really, really impressed. Really solid computer. I bought the extra warranty on it. And every time I broke it, they were out next day with parts to fix it. I was blown away by their service. And I really, really wanted to get my next laptop to be another Lenovo Yoga. But my buying decision was curved. It was turned. Yeah. And I had to buy 
an Asus ner- laptop. And I was nervous because Asus is a solid brand. Don't get me wrong. But I've never bought an Asus premium product. And when I buy a laptop, I buy top of the line, yep. expecting that it's going to last me four to five years. And in four to five years, obviously, it's not going to be top of the line, but it's going to be a solid mid-range laptop. The Yoga that I bought five years ago, right now it's a solid mid-range laptop. You could go out buy the same exact thing for about seven, eight hundred bucks right now. So you know that's how I make my purchases, and it really skewed how I had to purchase for this. And I'm sure that yeah, I'm talking about a luxury thing for a laptop for a podcast, but even with smaller items that people use in their everyday life, whether it's diapers mm-hmm. or formula, stuff like that. I mean, they're having those issues and it's be, it's becoming a big impact for everybody. Yeah. Well, it's actually that that alone is causing further supply chain disruption, because if you think about it, uh, you've been loyal uh, to Lenovo. So they have you in their forecasts. Um, and now you bought something else. And so they still have you in their forecast. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's just normal these days. Or maybe like people are buying it from a different, different, uh, not just even a different brand, but a different store, a different location. So mm-hmm. it's, it's making, and it could be that we're having to, in the manufacturing world, we're having to tweak our lines even to utilize different materials or substitution materials, et cetera. So, you know, we're, we're trying things out. We're thinking, you know what, this particular material um, or supplier was came through for us. And so we're saying, you know what, I think maybe I better keep going with that and switch it so that my, my, the suppliers that are coming through for me during this period of time I, I might make my main suppliers and I might move the other right. ones to be a backup supplier. So that further changes you know, the supply chain. Something that you said to me in the first podcast episode we have is something that I've repeated a million times. I've repeated it to my customers because everybody out there that listens to this show knows my day job. Vision 33, ERP, SAP Business One, SAP Business by Design, Sage Intact. In fact, we've had Sage Intact even on this show with one of their VPs. So you and I come from very um, uh, similar worlds. But one of the things that I've had discussions with, with some of our manufacturers, um, one of the weird industries that we're really subject matter experts in are glasses. And we have out of, I'd say the top maybe 12 glass glasses companies in the United States, we probably have uh, four to five of them uh, that are clients of ours. And they come to us because of our unique expertise in doing yep. ERP with them. You said one thing that stuck out to me and I've been preaching to them is, you know, like you're saying now, have your plan B supplier, but also know your suppliers, suppliers, you know, and then what's your supplier, suppliers plan B and know it all the way down the food chain to make sure that you're still able to get you know, your parts, your supplies, so that there isn't a kink. 
in your supply I'm glad chain. You listened. <laughs> yeah. And the same see? thing is true on the customer side, really. It depends who you're supplying. Because unless you're supplying an end user, you have to be worried about not what your customers are doing, but what your customers' customers and your customers' customers' customers. So you're absolutely right. That's uh that is uh one of the keys to success. Yeah, and now the only kink in that though, that is the unpredictable part, I would say, would be the port backup. Was that predictable for most people? Somebody like you that's a subject matter expert. You could be like, oh yeah, I saw that coming. I knew I I, I knew that was coming. I, I was writing that article. I got it right here. I can prove it. Um, you know, I posted that on Facebook four weeks before the first article came out. You know, I'm sure you saw, <laughs> but for the for the average Joe or the average Jane out there, okay, would they have been able to see that? I think that well, sprung up almost out of nowhere, it seems. Well, I mean, certainly no one really knew the pandemic was going to happen, which caused the beginning of the problem. However, what it is, is is that you don't, in supply chain, there's no way to predict what's going to happen. Because we were affected by hurricanes, we're affected by tornadoes, tsunamis, like weather changes strikes right but um, but they're usually regional but that's a regional problem not a global problem and i think we're more in a global problem well you're you're exactly right with the caveat that what you can predict in supply chain is you can you know that there's going to be disruption so what Mm -hmm. what uh the success the most successful clients had done prior to the pandemic and that's hold on i want you to re re I, i want you to restate what you just said because I think that's an important takeaway that people need yeah. to reiterate. That Which part? <laughs> that <laughs> you said a, a lot of good stuff already. <laughs> the part about uh, in every supply chain, you know that there's eventually oh, yes. going to be okay. disruption. So, yes. so in our, that is absolutely true. In every, in a, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what product you sell, no matter who your customers are, no matter who your suppliers are, what you can be assured of is, is that there's going to be supply chain disruptions, uh, you know, real, unless you're like completely vertically integrated, but then even then there'll be disruptions because then you're going to have a problem like with the tornado that hits your area or something. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a disruption of some sort. So that's, that's the key right there is, is that the most successful clients pre-pandemic were the ones that were, they were unique because most of the time clients didn't want to spend the extra money or the boards pushed back on the extra, the extra effort. But what they should have been doing is having backup supply, well, not for all materials, but for key materials or key components, you have backup suppliers in place that are not all located in the same geography. Just think about it. If the earthquake hits, it's going to hit them all. So you don't want them in the same geography. I mean, ideally, they're not going to come in through the same port, which means that maybe mm-hmm. one is your backup supplier is domestic, if if nothing else. Um, or, you know, comes through, it could be North America, comes through Mexico or something. So basically, right. you know, you have a backup supplier, but you don't just have a backup supplier. You have to have a backup supplier that you use. And so like when I was a vice president of operations, we had supply of a key material coming from Brazil. And believe me, the board gave me a hard time. And for sure, the person, the, uh, the director of purchasing who worked for me a hard time. Brazilian we nuts. Kept, That's what they were. 
Brazilian nuts, right? <laughs> no, they weren't yeah. nuts. It was uh, non-woven. <laughs> but we basically had there a backup source of supply in South Carolina. And it cost more. But we bought, mm-hmm. we kept buying 20% of our volume from them. Because it doesn't do you any good to have a backup supply that you don't use. Because they don't know, right. they can't turn it on on a dime. They don't have things They can't out. trust you. You don't have the relationship. Exactly. You, exactly. You all, all of that stuff. So one of the big trends, I would say... You know, technology has kind of brought this on over the last 10, maybe 20 years. Um, you've been in the the industry way longer than I I have. So maybe it's been longer than that. But just in time inventory, having that, is this perhaps a weakness in that just in time inventory strategy that shows that maybe just in time shouldn't be the model for a lot of predictable things well it's you know it's a popular question because the answer is is that just in is time, it i thought that was unique i thought about <laughs> well, that well it fly. is but it's i've, I've <laughs> had a few other times because it's, it's a really good question um, Thank but you. Basically, the, that was the a good comeback. Is, is, <laughs> the, the issue is, is that people are doing just in time and they're taking it literally. If you did just in time the way the concept was uh, meant to be implemented, right. it would mean that you would have just in time <laughs> stock arriving, but you would still have strategic inventory stockpile nearby for for items that are strategic or you know you would have like it it doesn't mean 100 across the board literally have something arriving at the dock as you run out that is not the intent of just in time but it is how people interpreted just in time so you know it's definitely how it's been interpreted exactly so the answer is is that it's um how it's how it should have been working it's still a fine strategy is it is it good in all situations uh, no, I mean it depends. I mean, if you're if you're dependent on Asia uh, for your supply chain and you don't have like strategic capacity, you can bring on board nearby, or you don't have a, a stockpile. And, and of you got to remember, sometimes sometimes you've got to be. Uh, I mean, we just went through the whole, you know, made in America push the previous four years for for that push. But put that aside, sometimes you have to depend on Asia because the, the whatever you're getting is only available from Asia. You know what I right. mean? So there's definitely those types of situations, too, that you, you have to be conscious of. Well, you're absolutely right. And and that's where uh, these days I'm spending like most cobalt, of my time. I think, is one right. Well, so that's the thing is we have we have. I mean, it's a whole other topic, but we've gotten out of producing a lot of things in the U.S. that we can produce. We just haven't mm-hmm. been because either they're considered too expensive, or you know people aren't investing in them, or you know they thought they had inexpensive substitutes or whatnot. So, but they, no, they could not start up like quickly or immediately, if you will. So Mm -hmm. that's where we've seen a lot of clients, the smarter clients these days are looking strategically. What do I need to be doing now so that I can make sure that I can service customers' needs that they'll have one to two years from now, which is the other thing to figure out. And what do I do to serve my current needs? So yes, you do have to be dependent on, uh, I mean, it's not as though you're going to turn off that spigot today, but you need to be thinking about it 
thinking about it uh, strategically. Now I do have like a client that is moving 80% of their uh, manufacturing back to North America within the year. So they that was going to be my very next question uh, that, well, okay, I lied. It was going to be the, the second to next question I had for you, but we'll bring it up now is that I was just reading that because of these inventory shortages, okay, with a lot of different things, it's pushing manufacturing to be done. Not necessarily, I, okay, so the article that I read was more specific towards the United States, but I took from the context of the article that it was being done more North American as far as U.S., uh, uh, Mexico, and uh, and Canada as well, too, because of our, um, uh, what is it, the NAFTA 2.0, the USMCA. Yep. With the USMCA, you know, you have all those different protections and stuff like that. So it was kind of pushing it to be to where it was either domestically in the U.S. or it was going to be Canada or Mexico, one of the countries that anchor us. Absolutely true. Uh, folks are looking how, across- How, how much of- is doing that? I mean, how many companies are actually, how 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 big is it? Uh, is it a well, lot? Well, I think a little- the way to look at this is, is that the uh, almost every executive is looking at it and they're taking action, whereas they were talking about it before, but they weren't taking action. So it's not as though they take action and it happens like, like the one client. I mean, they were, they're taking action in a big way and they're getting it done. But some people are taking action where they could be thinking, well, over the next 10 years, I'm going to um, slowly but surely uh, transition, transition at least my strategic um, products back to um, the US or something. They don't, first of all, they don't have to, it's not an all or nothing equation. But I would say that the vast majority, I think there's a survey out there, I forgot the number, but it's something like 80% of folks are taking action on this. So they're doing it, but they're not talking a lot about it because after all, why would you want to talk about it? Because you need to supply your customers in the interim. So right. the last thing you want is your current support source to uh, cut you off. So you right, know, they're, exactly, they're, exactly. they're on the move. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're not always moving it back. They're partnering with people. They're supplementing it. They're, there's a lot of creative Africa? ways they can do it. So what about Africa? I've always heard that Africa is an up and coming market. And in fact, the products in China, for example, are made for places like the United States or Europe, places like that. But the products that are meant to be sold to the Chinese are being uh, mass produced in countries like Africa, where the wages are cheaper than what they are in China. Not across the board, but there's definitely a lot of countries that there is. Uh, Are American companies looking at manufacturing more in Africa itself, or is it being more of a domestic push? Well, so... If you have customers that you're concerned about sourcing that are located in Asia, then you're looking at other Asian sources to produce in. Because you're, you're, what they're doing is loca- locating closer to the customer. So if your mm-hmm. customers are more in North America, then they're looking at North America and Latin America is very popular. Uh, yep. Both of those are popular. I mean, Mexico is set up 
you know, if you're not going to, first of all, the U.S. is actually very, is, is popular and it's, it is very closely located to customers. Transportation is a big issue and there's a lot of problems uh, associated with it. So the U.S. is gaining in popularity. With that said, Mexico is also set up to be, um, uh, you know, they're, they're strong in manufacturing, generally sure. speaking. So there's definitely more people looking at Mexico. And then they're also looking at Latin America because it's closer and it's easier. Like they're looking at regional customers. Now, from an Asian standpoint, if you have a not, if you have a, uh, not a commodity product that you really, well, actually the Mexico, you know, the labor in Mexico is actually pretty inexpensive. It's less expensive than China in many cases, but people are looking at my India. My experience, uh, now you got to remember, I don't know if you remember, but I lived down there for like 15 years, worked for the Mexican government, stuff like that. Average factory worker, like run-of-the-mill factory worker, would probably get around 20-ish or so dollars a day uh, is what it was. And that's going back to like 2015-ish. So maybe it may have increased a little bit since then, but probably not much. Yeah, and the the labor rates in China have increased a lot. So, and then there's all yes. the transportation costs and everything else. So, I mean, Mexico is very attractive for for labor intensive products. For uh -huh. the U.S. is really Bose, really popular. Samsung. I mean, they're two huge brand names, and both yeah. of those have factories down in Tijuana, and that's just two of the hundreds if not thousands of companies we had jason uh, wells who uh he, he came on i think a couple episodes after you did but uh on your first visit yeah. he was the director executive director of the san ysidro chamber of commerce which san ysidro sits right on the border with san diego he wasn't on the commercial okay. side of Otai, but uh, he still knows about that stuff. And there's a lot of major, you know, yeah. international companies that manufacture, like you think Samsung, your TV coming from Korea to the US? Yeah. No, chances are it was probably manufactured right down in Mexico. And they do that on purpose because then they can sell it for cheaper because of things like the USMCA. Right. Well, that's very true. And, and Monterey is, is another popular hotspot. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, I, I absolutely, uh, if, mm -hmm. if the product doesn't have like a, um, uh, if it has a uh, high transportation component um, and it doesn't have a high labor component or it can be automated, then the U.S. is actually mm -hmm. a better option because we can, you know, you can produce it really close to your customer, customize it on the fly and those types. Of things. So, so I would automated, say North America, Elon, Elon yeah. Musk is working on his uh, on his Tesla bot. Have you seen yes. that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I, absolutely. I mean, technology and automation is extremely popular. You know that from your day job. Uh, but it's yep. it's really popular and it's uh and, and it's going a long way to offset you know any concerns about labor costs. But to get back to your question, I haven't heard too much about. I mean, Africa's more up and coming. You know, they have more I've things it, to work through. But India is. I've heard India it more pre-pandemic. India is taking pre off. Okay. Yes. That's yeah. I mean, Africa as a country in general, yes. 
there's opportunity. But as far as manufacturing goes, I there's a lot of positivity about India from that point of view. If especially yeah, okay. for the folks who are like in Europe and and um, as a backup right. source right. or low low labor costs. That's interesting. I I've heard of India as far as other areas. Yeah, call centers, for example, or you know tech, or even like ERP and stuff like yeah. that. Philippines as well too, but not for uh, manufacturing hubs. So yeah. that's pretty interesting. So the last topic I wanted to get into then is we spent this whole episode talking about electronics. Uh, I got to brag about the new computer I got <laughs> and all this other cool stuff. But food, I mean, what's mm -hmm. up then with the the food delay? I mean, when you go into the grocery stores and stuff, it's not just electronics that are laid bare, but it's also the food shelves that are barren. And I mean, it, it drives me nuts that, I mean, it's just so weird walking into CVS. And as soon as I get, uh, we have, we have two CVSs next to us. One's a small one and then one's a bigger one. And the smaller one, it's like, once you walk in, that's where they have their refrigerator sets and, you know, to see them maybe 20% capacity, you know, 90% yep. of the time, I can't even buy my coffee creamer at CVS anymore because they don't ever have it in stock. Like, I know. that's crazy. What's going on with the food yep. side of things? They'll have Valentine's well, Day candy, but they won't have half and half. <laughs> well, that is part of the answer, actually. I mean, for example, the, um, the uh, fertilizer is on the boats uh, you know like they they delayed all the the container ships oh. with fertilizer so that they could bring on bring in and expedite the the container ships with the items for uh the holidays so as an wow. as one problem right so that's 137 episodes we have published <laughs> as of this recording and you're the first person to say fertilizer <laughs> well there you go <laughs> yeah, there but it's you not go. just that that's there's a lot of You're things right. like you have to package food and they, and there there's like shortages on materials across the board and packaging materials would definitely be one. There's labor shortages. I mean, there, we haven't talked about mm -hmm. the labor shortages too much, oh, but yeah. there's a significant labor shortage. I mean, good grief, like Starbucks, I could go through the line and they don't have half of what I, what I would want. Um, and that's been going on for like two months now. It's ridiculous. But right. anyway, it's uh, I, but I noticed that not all companies are having the same issues. So it just leads me to think that some of them are, you know, the, they either have um, more reliable sources, they have backup sources, something is happening in that chain, because not all not some food um, items, even in the same category are, are performing better mm -hmm. than others. For sure, but that's part of it, and it's and that and then there's like just seasonal things. Like for example, right now there's there's been a lot of frosts in in Florida, so there's going to be problems with orange right. juice next year. So those kinds of things. Yes, no orange juice in 2023. You you just put a it's buzz true. kill right there in the rest of my year, <laughs> well, Lisa. it's not hopeless though. Like <laughs> what I would say is uh, that you cannot solve the global supply chain crisis. It is not going to be solved this mm -hmm. year. But you can solve your particular supply chain's crisis. So, you know, there's ways, you like like we were talking about earlier, you get with your suppliers, suppliers, your customers, customers, 
figure out what is going on. What is your real demand? Because half the people don't know, like they plan, they're planning for the wrong things in the first place. So how do we get a real handle on demand? That's why I'm seeing that uh, sales and operations planning is so popular because we can get a handle on demand. Sales forecasting, those types of things are critical. Exactly. You can, you can then figure out what capacity do I need? What equipment do I need? What should I offload? Can I, should I move a supplier from point A to point B? You know, like you, you, you know, pretty much all of the, all of the pieces you need to do, then you need to execute. And then that's where you have to make sure that you're ahead of things on people and getting, utilizing, you know, purchasing ERP systems from you so that they, that you can better automate what you're doing. So you need less people um, than you would otherwise. Cause if you're going to grow your business, you're going to need, you know, to, to scale up and those kinds of things. You know, there's a lot of, no. uh, a lot of aspects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, Hey, Lisa, this has been fun. This was yeah, a jam packed conversation from start to finish. Well, I always love talking uh, about supply chain. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I noticed. No, but it was. I mean, you gave us a lot of good info, a lot of good insight. And even for all of our listeners and viewers out there that, you know, you're, you don't manufacture, you don't distribute, or as I like to put it, you don't make or move a product. You know, this discussion to you, I think, is really extremely valuable because it, it it's going to help you understand some of the things that you just don't understand because you're not part of that industry and you don't know necessarily how all of these things work and come together. So that's why, you know, I was looking the other day and I was like, you know, the supply chain is such a big issue, you know, and it's been so long since Lisa, let's get her back on this show right away uh, because, you know, it, it, it's a pressing issue. And I think it's got people, people are worried about it, you know, and I think yep. people are worried what, what the future holds between financial security, job security, the country security. There's a yep. lot of issues at play. and. I think getting some of this understanding from somebody like you that's a bona fide expert, one of the best of the best in the country to break some of these things down with some awesome examples, I think was is critical. So thank you Great. so much for coming on. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed it and happy to always happy to share uh, share the knowledge so that we can be successful as a as a as a group here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So one last question for you, Lisa. How can people digitally remember digitally stalk you online? Where can they find you? <laughs> well, they definitely can find me on my website, which is um, LMA hyphen consultinggroup.com. And I have all sorts of newsletters they can sign up for on the website. And I'm always talking and providing information about these types of topics. Also LinkedIn, um, you know, I'm in LinkedIn and it's uh, Lisa Anderson, LMA. Um, and my company is on LinkedIn, which is under LMA Consulting Group Incorporated. So I publish uh, most everything that's on my website I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I'm also on Twitter. Yeah. So, and that's also, yeah, Lisa also on Twitter. And uh, last time I saw you, you had a pretty big Twitter following. You got in Absolutely. there in the early days and built Absolutely. quite the following. I think uh, at least 25,000 last time I saw. 
Yeah, some is something no, around rather. there. So it's uh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so uh Twitter pretty big as following. Well. And I will tell you her newsletter is great. Um, you could tell that she's a very, very busy woman woman because I usually get it at like 3 a.m. Uh when I, when I get my answer from Lisa. But uh it's I've what is it? I've been thinking, right? Yep, uh that's right. name of your mm-hmm. newsletter, which also I believe was the name of your book as well, too. Correct. That's right. I've I've written a book. It was called I've Been Thinking, and it has uh, lots of stories from uh, supply chain and operations to ERP and uh, uh, technology, as well as um, I wrote an ebook during the uh, pandemic about uh, how to um, successfully emerge and thrive post pandemic, and that's still um, uh, exactly the blueprint we should be following. So they're both available at Amazon. So uh, check them out at Amazon or I think iTunes as well, but, and actually the pandemic related ebook. So you can thrive in, if you're in any of these product related businesses uh, is available on audio as well. Oh, I love audio books. I am a definite audio book person because I, Listen to audiobooks as I do other work. I have to be binge watching something, whether it's Netflix, YouTube, audiobooks. And I still absorb a lot of it in because I can multitask. But if there's something like really good, like uh that that that's a gold mine. I hit the pause button on it and yep. I wait till I finish my task and then I'll continue or I'll re-listen to that segment to absorb it fully in. But uh that's awesome. And we're going to make sure that we have all the links down below in the description. As usual, please subscribe to her newsletter, support her with her books, and reach out to her. A lot of businesses struggling with supply chain. If you need a consulting agency to help you out, I'm telling you, you just heard her on the show. You're not going to find anybody better than Lisa. Thank you again, Lisa, for coming on. You're amazing. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Wow. That was pretty amazing with Lisa, right? I totally loved it. First though, if you found this interview as helpful as I did, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to do us a solid, please share this episode out. Share the best kept secret in the world, the small business growth. Shark bite biz out to your friends, your family, your colleagues. Get us out there, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you dwell on the interwebs. Share us to your network because we only grow because people like you actually help us by sharing these videos out. Now, let's get back to our rock star guest, Lisa. I've always admired Lisa, and she's been one of the brightest minds I've ever met in supply chain, logistics, and manufacturing, point blank. I mean, like I said just a minute ago, she's always kind of blown me away. If you make or move a product, she is definitely somebody who can help you And she can not only just help you, but she can help you work your way out of a jam if you're in a jam, too. That's what her resume is. That's what she does. She is a problem fixer. She is a solutions expert, at least in my opinion. And I think if you watch that whole interview, you would probably agree so, too. 
One of my biggest takeaways from this convo, again, was suppliers, okay? And I say again because our first interview, which was like episode 15 or something like that, I forget. But our first interview, suppliers, was one of the biggest things that I learned, and I said it during the interview. Uh, But again, the same thing happened with this conversation. This time, instead, the key is right now with where we're at and how everything is, you need to have a plan B. Last time, we said, know your supplier, supplier, okay? And then even their suppliers, you know, depending what the product is and how critical it is and how much you manufacture, you know, you go all the way down that supply chain uh, as much as you need to have the security that you're going to be able to get the products that you need to get and that you have the confidence that you're going to have your raw materials to produce whatever you're producing. Now, I think we're kind of pivoting a little bit to where you need to have an actionable plan B. And that is where you do now need to have a second supplier in the picture. Now, maybe this second supplier isn't as cheap as your plan A, okay? And that's fine, but you're only buying 10 or 20% of your stock off of plan B. That way, one, you know, the quality is good. You're used to working with them. You got a relationship. And that way, if you get in a jam with your plan A, with your main original supplier, then your plan B, your secondary option, hopefully, hopefully can bail you out of that sticky situation. And, you know, if you get lucky, you can probably get them to ramp up the meat supply with minimal disturbances to your supply chain. Now, realistically, in our world, the key to this is having awesome back-end software, ERP. Again, that's what I do every single day with Vision 33, with SAP by design, SAP Business One, and also Sage Intact. And that's also what Lisa does as an ERP selection consultant. So between both of us, we kind of help you on the back end so that you can kind of foresee if you're going to have problems because you need to have systems in place to alert you, hey, inventory's low, or hey, our lead time just went from six months to 18 months. Uh, We're going to have a problem. We need to find something else. You know, you can't do that unless you have the proper systems in place. Another point, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I did want to point it out, is that the cost of freight has gone up. It's taking more time and costing more to ship things from Asia. Now, if you add in higher wages from China, manufacturing in Asia versus using something like the USMCA, which again is basically NAFTA 2.0, And heading to a place like Mexico is looking so much more attractive. Nearshoring down there in a place like Baja and Tijuana, okay, or even Monterrey, Guadalajara, you know, Mexico City, even. There's a lot of places, Carretero. There's a lot of places down there that you're able to uh, manufacture nearshore and get the benefits of the tax-free stuff with USMCA 
And that can kind of offset some of those higher higher wages, the higher freight costs, and then thirdly, the, the longer wait time for that freight to arrive from China. So awesome stuff, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on again. It's been a blast. Please make sure you grab her ebook. We're going to have the link for that down below in the description. As always, question of the day. How have you managed the supply chain crisis? I know for me, it took me two and a half months to finally be able to get the laptop I pre-ordered in. But it took me probably six months before a laptop with those specs were even available to pre-order. So I'd love to hear your stories. Tell us how it has affected either you personally or your business. Leave a comment down below on YouTube. Remember, do you want to be on the show? If so, please send out a, an email, interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. And if you're watching on YouTube, please don't forget to join the channel. If you see that little join button for $3 a month, you can become a baby shark, support this channel directly, or head right on over to deadhousecoffee.com. And that's where you can get the freshest coffee on earth, coffee that is roasted, sealed, and shipped within a 24-hour period to your doorstep. Use code SHARK. You'll get 20% off. We'll get all the proceeds to continue growing this channel. Thank you all for watching. Y'all know this by now, but I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz, and we'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.